Welcome back to another episode of Straight from the Dime Box. I've got a great guest uh, with us tonight. Uh, a lot of you probably know him from Instagram at South Park Cards. South Park Cards, how's it going? Hey, what's up? I'm honored. The great guest. I thought we had another co-host or something coming on. That was... <laughs> That's not easy to get you on. You know, you, you're not on many podcasts is something I've noticed. So I well, uh, I have the thing about that is it's like a lot of people have asked me, but it's one of those things where, you know, I did a podcast with Ed. I did Bernie's. I've done a few people's, but I'm very selective with it just because it's one of those things where the host has editing power and unless I trust you because I, I recorded on Anchor too. It's really easy for someone to, you know, sound by what you say or cut it in and out, you know, and and I, I trust you to a degree because, you know, we went through the whole uh, phase card saga together. So, you know, it we had some history where I knew I could, you know, my words wouldn't be edited out and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, I totally forgot that that you were uh, you were involved in that. And you got screwed over too because we were just talking before about topics to go over, and we didn't even we didn't even mention that. So yeah, we were we were both screwed over in that whole grading scandal where the cards were just never sent to PSA. For those who don't know, uh, I won't rip on him too much in here because I've definitely put in my time before and ripping on him but there was somebody on instagram who used to do psa subs um for those who say that we're an idiot for trusting him with our cards that's not the case because a lot of people trusted him he was actually a really well-known account on here and pretty much the stuff was not sent to psa the receipts to prove that they were there were edited and then <laughs> it became a mess because by the time we were told where they were, it was like, you know, it became much harder to get tens on cards. Like back before the boom, like a couple of years ago, you know, you would get tens on seventy to eighty percent of the stuff you sent in, and it's not the that case. That was anymore. considered a bad sub. If you had seventy percent, you were looked at like you're eating Cheetos with the cards. Like people were like realistically like aiming for like 85%. Like if you were at 70%, that'd be looked at as like, you know, you bought PSA rejects, but you know, a lot's changed since then. That's That's why, that's, that's why I don't like for me, you know, I'm a big Paul George guy and I bought an RPA. It's like a nine or nine five. And people were like, Oh, do you want like a true gem? Or like, do you want an, you know, a PSA 10? And it's like, you know, for cards I want to keep, I really could give a shit about the grade because a 2018-10 is like a PSA 7 or 8 now. So it's it's so subjective. It's just not worth it unless, you you know, you want to sell it in the short term kind of thing. Yeah, so you in the past, uh, a lot of people listening might not know this, but if you've been around on Instagram a good bit, you would know this. You were a pretty big fan of grading you know you graded cards that most people probably wouldn't grade but in my opinion you probably ended up making a freaking killing from it because it seemed like grading was just an atm but where do you see do you see that ever happening again like it used to with you know you're gonna have higher grading fees tougher graders do you think subbing 
bulk amounts like that will ever be a thing? Uh, I mean, it depends the way the market goes. It's it's one of those things where it's like it's never gonna be what it was, right? Like you're never ever gonna pay seven dollars a sub, seven fifty, eight bucks, even all the way up to like fifteen dollars. That was a good deal, but you're never gonna be able to pay that much money, um, get an eighty five percent gem rate, and then have the cards. 10x right like you'll be able to still make profit but it'll it'll never be what it once was i mean like i wish i had my old account because you could see the posts on it and it was like in 2018 i was grading like fred van fleet first year prisms not his rookie but like it was technically what his third year uh first prism silver and it's like you spent eight bucks to grade that you got for like free as a toss-in you bought it off com c for a quarter and then you sell it for like 70 bucks, you know, it's probably was for like a year, a year and a half, the easiest way to legally make money without having to wear a suit or. Yeah. And you were doing that as a, uh, as a college kid, right? You were hustling great. No, I was, I was in high school at the time. I, uh, it, it was like a transition point. So I guess, yeah, you could say that, but like the first two years, uh, it was junior, senior, and then freshman, sophomore. But that's not, I mean, that's like huge, not having to get an actual like side job to work along with classes. You could do that where you could just be buying stuff on your phone from wherever. And then once it comes in, you just send it to grading. I mean, I'm making it sound, I'm making it sound a lot easier than it actually was. So like, what was your process in determining if something would go to PSA? Because from what no, I it was you were it, subbing by the by the boatload. It was yeah, it was really easy. I mean, I don't want to like oversimplify it and not give. I think the hardest part was having enough like belief and faith in hindsight to like be while everyone was saying like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Because I think people like forgot base cards. Like no one wanted everyone. Like even me when I was a kid opening packs and shit. Everyone wanted the four hits in a box. So, like, the basic configuration for products was, you know, like, 18 to 24 packs a box. You got four hits, like, two autos, two mems. Everyone wanted the, you know, the four hits. No one wanted the base cards, right? So, I mean, you would have guaranteed basically a complete set of base a box. So, I had all this shit laying around from, like, 2005 to 2000. 16 or 17 at the time that stuff I opened or just accumulated and it was obviously never graded or looked over and I basically just you know sent it all in um clay cards was one of the first people I used um I forget the other person's name but uh it was it was one of those things where you just had to have the hindsight and believe in it to do it kind of thing so everyone was like saying you're crazy you just had to I guess take a leap for it, you know, grading optic Tatum base when tens were still like 20 bucks and you just had to hold on to them. I probably sold them for 30 bucks. Thought I was the smartest person alive, but uh, yeah, just that's just kind of how it goes. And like you said, the school part, I mean, uh, yeah, I barely graduated high school. Um, I didn't do good at school at all, but um, yeah, I spent all like, that's pro- a big reason why I didn't do good in school was because I was just scheming the card shit, um, getting autographs, graphing. 
all that stuff, which I don't advise to do. School is obviously more important. <laughs> but like, you know, like I would before class, I remember I was like 30 minutes late because Prism Retail dropped and I went to Target and I cleaned out a whole uh, Target of 2018 Prism Megas, Blasters, Cellos, Cellos, whatever they're called. Yeah, those are the good days. That's insane that you had 2018 Prism Cellos. I feel like it's crazy to think back how many of us had 2018 sealed wax. It was the green, it was the green boxes with Duran on them. And Mm -hmm. I, it's like, it makes me sick to think. I know at one point I had like, you know, eight blasters and a bunch of cello packs and I just ripped them because at the time they were, you could walk into any Target or Walmart and clear them out. They all had that display there with the blasters, the cellos, and sometimes if you were lucky, you found the gravity feed packs for two thirty nine each at Target. But you're in California, so it's probably like fifty bucks for a gravity feed pack. But I, I found know. a whole box. Like I used to find boxes. No one bought retail. I was the only per- no one- dude. Cards were the fucking stupidest thing. Cards weren't cool to kids. No one collected cards. Like all my friends knew it, but they had no interest in it. It was. At the time, it was all, at least when I was in high school where I am, it was all, like, supreme and, you know, people waiting in line, getting in riots over, you know, whatever the supreme bait collab, whatever that was. That was my era. I, I don't think supreme's as big as it was anymore, but that was that was the fad then. No one, like, cards were the fucking nerdy thing back then. And I kind of wish it was looking at the prices of stuff now, you know. So that's interesting. You, you wish... I guess because I know you're a big PC guy because you, you've obviously made a ton of money flipping based on grading because, like I said, I mean, it's pretty much an ATM. And it sounds like you, you know, you were run, you were sending enough stuff in to really make some cash. But <laughs> yeah, it, it, PC, it has been tough. Like PC stuff is because all of a sudden there's so many new people in the hobby. So there's going to be odds are somebody's going after some of the same stuff you are. So. Have you noticed that that your specific PC has just become so much harder to get cards for? Uh, yeah, it depends what PC it is. But like you said, I had, I think in December twenty twenty, I had, or January January twenty twenty one. I think, I think the most cards I had at PSA at one point was like eight thousand. Oh my god! I did not know it was on that scale. Holy so I think, shit. I think in total, I've probably sent in the last three years north it. 20,000 cards. Um, I th- yeah, I'd probably say that's a, a safe guess because I still at least have like 5,000 there now. Um, oh, yeah, they're somewhere in an abyss. Uh, so, like for PC, like I would definitely like Tracy McGrady stuff kind of got ridiculous. I stopped buying him, but I don't know if that's just because you stopped signing. And he's so big. He was so he was already expensive compared to everyone internationally, or not internationally because his international following. But he got really expensive. Um, Kawhi got really expensive. Obviously, Anthony Davis got really expensive. I stopped buying LeBron. Yeah, so my main PC guys were McGrady, LeBron, uh, Kawhi, Davis, and uh, Montres Harrell. Um, I sold, I'm gonna be honest, I sold a lot of my Montrose Herald stuff just because it was one of those things where, you know, when you pay $20 of silver and it's $500, you know, I don't care who it is. I'm, I'm going to sell it, you know, and he was definitely never going to become 
Tim Duncan. So it wasn't one of those things like I was no rush to sell like LeBron stuff. I can't believe Trez so I guess probably during the bubble they ran up to five hundred the summer. Yes, summer of twenty twenty. So I started collecting it's kind of funny how the PG Kawhi Harrell thing worked, because I collected all of them at different points before they were on the same team. I started collecting Harrell the year with Shea, so that would be twenty eighteen, because they were just a fun team to watch. So it was 2018. I was buying, I want to say, his NTRPAs for like 60, 80 bucks. And I think at one point they got to like five something. So yeah, his Prism Silvers, I want to say when the AD Prism stuff got nuts, like 6,000 for that. Um, that's when the Herald stuff took off. But then when he got signed with the Lakers too, they also went for a fuck ton. Yeah, he's he's a nice player off the bench. But you mentioned his NTRPAs went from like, 60 to 80 to over 500. And I think something that you've pointed out on your page before that's really interesting is the difference in like NT prices between a random basketball player who honestly sucks now, like just random prospects who suck right now, but people just think that they're going to be like, you know, Michael Porter, Jesus and, or, and compared to like guys who are established stars like Paul George, Russell Westbrook, some other guys like that. Like I feel like the RPA price difference, even when you look at like Luca compared to Steph Curry, like the ultra modern RPAs the past few years are just so much more expensive than they should be. And why, why do you think that is? Uh, you know, I think you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. And it's like, I like Michael Porter Jr. a lot. I think he'd be really good, but I don't think he's ever going to be healthy kind of thing. So I'm thinking of like the trash cans, you know, where I'm going with this. I'm thinking of like the Pokashevskis. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to say Shabazz Napier. That was like eight years ago already. Um, Not Shabazz Napier, but like not Sadiq Bey. He's pretty good, I guess. Um, Like the Bull Bull, the Pokus, the, uh, Baisley's. I'm thinking more like those guys. Like at least MPJ showed he could score 20 a game, right? But then I guess when you think about it, 20,000 for 20 PPG. I guess it's all subjective. So uh, I just think it's it's gambling. I think people saw Patrick Mahomes' prices, and you know you could be a millionaire off two cards. So I think people just got so ballsy. They uh, they just it's like a casino, I guess. You know, where they saw how much money you can make in a short period of time off hitting the lottery. So then people thought, you know, everyone would be a lottery. So they just cashed their uh, bets in, you know, and they're kind of playing with free money to a degree because if you were in cards before 2020, I mean, it was hard to lose. I mean, you could have invested in Jonathan Isaac and made 20x, you know, so they hopefully they didn't get burned completely and they just put a lot of their profits into these guys, you know, hoping they would be the next uh, Mahomes or, you know, LeBron, whoever. And when that fails, ultimately, I think you see a lot of these rookies contracts start to come up and they start going overseas. I think you'll start to see a shift as more people get burned on these prospects to maybe not veteran guys over 30, but maybe like 27 year olds, at least 26 year olds. Yeah, and you mentioned Poku. Like, that's a guy who you're exactly right there. Like, I noticed that even with his prism, like, all his stuff. Like, he honestly, like, I, I'm sorry to say it, he sucks. And he 
his stuff sells for insane prices. Like even like Tyler Hero, like his RPAs, like he's finally breaking out this year. But I mean, his RPAs are pretty much the same as like Paul George's price wise. And like to me, that's absolutely insane. And they just what people will pay for prospecting. But you're right, people will get burned. And I feel like that's kind of what happened in February 2021. People were realizing that they were way overpaying for like ultra modern stuff. Like when people realized that a super high pop Luca hoops rookie was selling for more than a magic Johnson patch auto. And I feel like people were like, Whoa, like let's pump the brakes on this ultra modern stuff. And we saw the goat stuff just go absolutely insane. Like Kobe, LeBron, Jordan across all sports, even like Brady, you know, it all vintage went absolutely insane in February. Do you think that if enough people get burned on like prospecting that we could have a similar run up like we did there with vintage and, and the goats? Uh, Yeah, but to a degree, I don't think it'll be the goat so much or vintage just because you want players that are still active. Cause like when you get into like the vintage and retired players, the only time you'll ever see them is YouTube highlights. You won't ever see you need people who are still trending. Like if they score 30, they'll be on Twitter, right? You you don't want guys who are out of the league, um, which is why I think like when you look at Jimmy Butler's prices, I know he's a little bit older, but when you look at like the under 30 crowd, um, maybe like the Booker's pretty expensive too, but like the Towns kind of guys where it's like maybe they just need one trade. I think when you look at Towns prices versus like a Pokushevsky, I think that's a better comparison than when you compare Towns to maybe a uh, a guy who was drafted in 2010. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Towns is an interesting one. I was looking at his stuff a couple of days ago because you're right. Some of these guys are like one trade away. And, and with the current NBA, like that's the thing. Trades, like blockbuster trades can happen at the drop of a hat now. Like I remember – when the Russell Westbrook trade happened this summer, like it wasn't even that big of a shock, even though like five years ago, a trade like that would have been the biggest news in sports for weeks. But that ju- it was just like, you know, just another superstar getting traded to try to stack up the top few teams. And even though it <laughs> doesn't look like it's really that great of a fit, but it's just crazy in the NBA how easily a guy can just say they want out. Like that could end up happening with Zion. Like who said, you know, Zion might be part of the reason he's sitting out right now might be because he doesn't want to play there. We've already heard that he doesn't like the way they manage his injury. Like imagine if after this season, let's say he doesn't play this whole season. If he comes out and he's like, yeah, I'm totally healthy. I want to be a Nick. You know, I feel like then his stuff's just going to go insane. I don't see it like that. Cause in the NBA, the way it works is you don't have any rights until you're in your eighth or ninth year. Because Zion's still on his rookie deal, and then he becomes restricted. So the Pelicans own all his rights for, what was he, a rookie in 2019? Yeah, 2019. So he has, what, a four- or five-year rookie deal that's 2023. So he really doesn't have any rights until 2028, 2027. So I I, I think I agree with what you're saying for a guy like Towns. Because once your rookie extension, like your four-year 120s up, whatever that deal is called, like what MPJ got. Once that's up, then that's when you get all the power. Um, but until then, you know, your, your first eight years, you're really stuck with that franchise. 
So like Shay and John Morant, you know, a big reason why I don't think investing in them is the smartest move is, you know, they're stuck in Oklahoma and uh, Memphis for eight, nine years. And all like, unless they demand a trade their last year, but that's still what, six, seven years in a small market that no one cares about. Yeah, I mean, and guys can always, though, demand a trade and kind of, like, embarrass the organization and just stop playing. Like, honestly, kind of what Simmons is. I know Simmons is way later on in his career than Zion is. He's, you know, three years earlier he came in. But, like, there's other ways. I feel like guys can just really be a problem and just be like, I'm I'm not playing for this team until you trade me. So, yeah, they can be, but I just don't think it – they know it's not a good look for them. And they like, look at the Ben Simmons, like Ben Simmons. He's a fucking disaster. That whole situation's a nightmare right now. Like, I don't think players want to be viewed as Ben Simmons. I just don't think that's like, it's like in the NFL, do you want to be viewed as Le'Veon Bell? Like, do you really want to be that? Like, look how that turned out. Yeah, that was a mess. I can't, I still can't believe that whole thing happened with him, but like, uh, yeah, Ben Simmons is an interesting point. What do you think about Ben Simmons right now? I mean, they should just trade him and get it over with, you know. It's this offseason's been so weird because it, there's so, so much drama and it just it's not hard to keep it's not stressful, but it just like the, the Ben Simmons isn't good enough to be garnering this much attention. Like just get it over. It's I'd understand if it was like Carmelo Nuggets, LeBron Cavs first go around, you know, Bosch on the Raptors. But it's like, you know, are we really doing this over Ben Simmons? Like, you know, when he wasn't point shaving in the playoffs, like he was a 14 point a game, you know, 6'10", Sean Livingston, you know, like, you know, I just, it's just stupid. I just wish they'd get it over with. The only reason this is happening is because he's a, Part of uh, Clutch Sports, the La Pyramid scheme with oh, Rich yeah. Paul. He's with LeBron. Yeah, because that that whole agency, like this, was never a problem until. I mean, you have Nerlens Noel suing Rich Paul because he claims he denied a contract because he didn't want LeBron to have competition in the East. Jesus. Um, I know Marcus Morris left his agency because he made him turn down a contract. Because he said he'd get more, and then he never got another bigger contract. You know, it's that just the Rich Paul shit. It just he just he he's good at what he does, but you know, it comes with a cost for some players. Like if you're John Wall, he'll get you paid, but then if he you know he holds grudges, like the Ben Simmons thing. Like, am I really supposed to believe Ben Simmons is having a mental health crisis? Like, what are we doing here? No, he's, he's probably having the time of his life right now. He he's still rich. He's still six ten and a basketball star. He's probably you know he. I'm sure. Uh, just ship him like, to Indiana. Trade him like just trade him for Sabonis. Get it over with. Yeah, that would be an interesting fit. Sabonis with Embiid. I feel that like would never work. You don't think so? No. So, I want to I want to pivot here. We just because I don't want to not go over this so your current instagram tag or username is at south park underscore cards too now 
Many people might not know this, but the reason you have to be South Park underscore cards too is because you used to be South Park cards and that was taken from you pretty much. And I don't want to explain too much more about it. I'll let you go. But, you know, it's kind of sucks. You, you know, you worked really hard. You had that account, you built it up. And then just like that, it was all taken from you. Yeah. I mean, it kind of sucked. I like, the only like the only downside to losing the account was the photos because I use Instagram as a photo bucket mainly. Um, I don't use it because I love to see people's content per se, as pretentious as it sounds. Like the reason I joined was a place to store my photos because I didn't want to pay for Flickr. Um, and like the DMs, I had DMs with like athletes. I had a few celebrities following me. Um, Gary V used to follow me. <laughs> Even Holy though I never shit. followed him, and he viewed all my stories, uh, so uh, stuff like that was funny, kind of. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it it sucked. I mean, you know, you know who? I don't know if it was him directly. I'm not going to accuse him of that. But uh, a bunch of people reported my account after I posted about some tomfoolery in the hobby for uh, bullying and harassment, and you know. The way Instagram, you know, there's a loophole in the Instagram algorithm where if you report an account enough, you know, they'll take it down a high likelihood. And they don't really have a customer support service team. So you kind of just shit out of luck. So that's kind of where I was with that. And uh, yeah, here we are today. I think, you know, I'm already up to a few hundred posts. So everything's going good. I'm not really sweating it. That's, like, scary, though, to think about that, that somebody, just because they have, like, 100,000 followers and they're one of the bigger accounts and cards, that they can be like, oh, this kid, yeah, we don't we don't like him. Let's just get him kicked off, kicked off the platform and silence. Because you were making some interesting points. I mean, this person who probably had or who did have you kicked off, had you know given bad advice frankly telling people to buy the high pop base tens that ended up crashing and pretty much and, and his point i remember one of his points back to you was that the whole market had gone down but that wasn't true the stuff that had gone down was the exact stuff that he was telling people to buy it was the high pop psa 10 non-number prism stuff the silver tens the base tens all that stuff crashed but i think it partly crashed because he ran it up too high by telling people who literally pay for advice to buy it like when people have paid advice services like where people pay them they tell them exactly what to buy i feel like that's just like in cards that's too much control because like comps are everything like that's the weird thing about the card market like a card's price can be determined just by someone's drunk bidding on ebay or someone purposely manipulating it and that's, I mean, this guy literally had a paid average, you know, people were paying him. He gave them advice. They got smoked on it. Somebody called him out for it, which was you. So, you know, which I think somebody needed to call him out on his, on his bullshit. And he just, I guess, threw a little hissy fit. And I mean, he was even DMing you, which is, I'm surprised he would be DMing over like an argument like that. You think with such a big company. He messaged a bunch of people. Those screenshots you saw, they weren't all for me. He he messaged a lot of people and they sent them to me, um, and they obviously gave me permission to post. But like I think, I don't know if growing up in LA gave me like uh, um, kind of like uh, street savvy. I hate to say that, but uh, 
you know, LA's definitely got, you know, every corner's got a fucking scam artist on it, whether he's in a cardboard box or wearing a suit. So, uh, you know, you definitely, I guess, have a better sense of who's up to no good than if you grew up in, like, you know, some small town in Indiana. Um, yeah, but I mean, I just think, you know, everyone has their own angle on Instagram. Leaf CEO, I saw he made a tweet saying, uh, logos aren't everything, licenses don't matter. You know, it's like, well, you know, it's kind of ironic for you to say that considering you're the CEO of Leaf, the trading card company who has no licenses. You know, I'm right. guessing he'd be tooting a different horn if, you know, he worked for Panini America. But he's obviously never going to say that licenses do matter because he's the CEO of Leaf. You know, that'd be saying, like, the Coca-Cola CEO saying to drink Pepsi, you know. And then, you know, Slab Stocks makes a post on it. And it's like, what are we doing here, people? You know, it's it's like Tom and Jerry. It's cat and mouse. You know, these people, there's just so much shit in the hobby. It's you'd have to it's a full time job to call it out. But, you know, a lot of these people are naive. You know, they think these are good faith actors. They think, oh, you know, because he's been in the hobby um, for a long. I'm not talking about Leaf anymore, but I'm talking about certain people who've you know been in the hobby before the boom. They think like, oh, they're still good for it, this and that. But, you know, if if, you know, you've been paying attention, you see who's sold out, who stayed true to their roots. Uh yeah, just a lot of shit going on, especially behind the scenes and shit you hear that people tell you. And I don't mean like bullshit, like, you know, I see proof, you know, there's proof of it. I'm not talking about like, you know, someone lied and said Tom Brady's their uncle or some shit like that. But <laughs> shady, shady business dealings and stuff you hear about. Yeah, we're living in like the influencer era of cards, I feel like. Every show, like I, I'm... Um, I live in Valley Forge, so I always go to the Philly show at the Valley Forge Casino, and, like, I feel like when I go there now, like, it's shocking to me to see people actually, like, have a cameraman with them filming them, and, I, you know, I think in a way it's a good thing because you bring a lot of attention to the hobby as long as, you know, they do things the right way, which I think some do and some don't, but we are definitely in, like, the influencer era. Like, I can't believe we're at a point where people have like cameramen follow them at shows to talk about what pictures of card or what cardboard with pictures of athletes they want to buy. Like I never thought that, you know, we would get this type of attention on the hobby. And like I said, I mean, that can definitely be a good thing because if it can bring more people to the hobby and it can bring more interest, but I don't know, sometimes it is just like really cringy. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind that as much. as I just don't think we should be asking these people what they think. Like the Dave Chappelle skit after 9-11 happened when I think CNN or Fox had Ja Rule on. Like, who gives a fuck what Ja Rule thinks after 9-11, right? Like, who gives a fuck what the guy who's been in cards six months, six months thinks about cards, right? Like, this is like if I asked who's a rookie this year in the NBA. Why am I drawing a blank? Um, this year, Jalen Green. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like if we asked J- Kate Cunningham or Jalen Green what it's like to be, you know, what it's like to be a 10 year vet. I mean, what the fuck do they know? You know, we're, you know, we have panels of people who have been in cards for a year and a half. It's like these people learned. Okay, I'll just get into this little tangent. 
these people make educational videos without getting firsthand experience, right? They, they didn't live through it. So all they know is, is what people told them. And, you know, what people tell you can be bullshit a lot of times. And two, they pass it on to other people like it's educational videos, right? So all these people are telling you is shit they watch in a YouTube video. They don't really know. They're just taking some dude at his word for a YouTube video that was made in 2017. And then they're just, you know, putting a new coat of paint on it and making a video in 2021 and just adjusting the the fine details, but the structure is the same, you know, and, you know, people eat that shit up all the content. I don't listen to any of the, the only podcast I've listened to is, I don't know if it's a podcast, but I like uh, cardboard chronicles and Chris Hoge, the card ladder show on Fridays. I think that's good, especially they got bought out by PSA now. So you get kind of insight. And then when a Niner card collector, Bernie, used to do his podcast. Those were the only two I listened to. You know, I, I, I see videos. I watch clips and whatnot. I know what's going on. I'm just not really off to see the wizard. You know, I don't subscribe to these people. I don't listen to these people. It's podcast in my car for eight hours a day and then put it on my story. I don't tag people when I go to the car wash. You know, <laughs> normal people shit. I don't, you know, if I go to Chick-fil-A, I don't tag someone on Instagram that I went to Chick-fil-A. You know, stuff like that. Man, that's a good point. I feel like with the influencers, you know, like everyone, people are starting to look for like a quick buck, like a get rich scheme. Like there's even like a Ty Lopez dude in cards now. Like, I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Eric Michael, I think his name is. Yeah, I forgot his name. He's like a young looking dude. Yeah. You won't lose or you'll get a full refund. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it's it's crazy because like if you remember the Ty Lopez stuff, he'd be like, "Here, my garage, garage, yeah, with ten cars and like ten smoking hot chicks and all this, and it would be like the Here perfect in Hollywood life. Hills." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now but you have a guy that's similar to like that. Like he's gonna guarantee you that. Like that's insane yeah, it's it, it's all pyramid schemes, Ponzi schemes, get rich quick schemes. It's all a bunch of shams. But the problem with cards is like. Influencer is a is a broad term because we think an influencer like whores on Instagram aren't hurting anybody, right? Like, yeah, they're trying to sell you like fit tea or whatever, but like they're not giving financial advice. The problem with sports card influencers is that a lot of times they're trying to not sell you a nine ninety nine bag of fit tea, but they're trying to push you know high dollar high value items. They're trying to pump a player's market, you know. And with, you know, it doesn't take any experience or knowledge to be a whore on Instagram. But, you know, when it comes to, like, cards, you need some prior knowledge, some prior experience. You know, it's so that's why influencers like a slippery slope term, because not everyone there's nuances to it where, you know, being a sports card influencer, definitely you it's you should have, you know, some. I guess what would be the word, you know, responsibilities or some morals and ethics compared to other influencers. Like if you're on TikTok, you're doing dances, right? Like that doesn't hurt anybody. But when you're telling people to buy bull bull or, you know, that's where the influencer part becomes problematic. Yeah. And I was just going to use that example of bull bull because I feel like people in the hobby, 
have gotten smarter since the bowl bowl moment. Like guys still guys will still blow up if they have a crazy game, but it's not near the point. I mean, like I remember selling Bobo Prism base for twenty bucks each after that crazy scrimmage. Like it, it's oh yeah, the pre bubble scrimmage. Yeah, it wasn't even God. a game. Like a, it wasn't even a regular season game. It was an exhibition, and I think he only scored fifteen points in that game. But he had a few flashy plays, and he looked yeah, he hit like one three. Yeah, and he's like you know over seven feet tall, so it looked like he could possibly be like a freak athlete with who can shoot and, and like his stuff just went berserk. I mean, his silver PSA tens were like over 600 each during that, like his prison base. Like I said, I remember selling, I had a stack. I remember looking through, finding a stack of them and selling them for a bag on eBay. And like, yeah, I sold silver PSA 10 rookie for like, I think it was like 500 bucks at the time. Holy shit. Yeah. I remember him and Darius Baisley were like hot cakes. Yep, Baisley was another one who was insane, and I'm sure you were you had a bunch of their silvers coming back from PSA at one point. But yeah, I had a lot of base, a lot of silvers. You know, before uh, I guess cards really blew up. You know, Com C was the place to be, but once that whole grading era hit, Com C kind of got picked dry, and then their shipping nightmare, and then you know. Now you can't really grade that stuff anymore, but for a while, Com C was a great place to get dollar base cards, five dollar silvers, and then you just get it in bulk and you just send it off to PSA. Yeah, Com C used to be great. Like you're you're right about that though, because they were fire until it became like you if you want your cards by the end of the year, you gotta pay them sixty bucks or you know, or you're not seeing them till twenty twenty five. It's like really weird because it seems like everyone else is pretty much caught up from like COVID back. Well, I shouldn't say that because of PSA, but <laughs> I mean, it seems like most yes. people, most companies have figured out how to proceed on post COVID, but they're still, you know, I, really do shit. I mean, they just scan cards. I mean, they don't really have a, to grade anything, you know? Oh, I did. I, oh, you're you're talking about how they use a lot more technology now. No, I'm saying like, I mean, PSA has a backlog because they have to research the cards, grade the cards, slab the cards. I mean, oh. Com C is pretty simple. I mean, you send them cards and they scan them and put them on your account. You know, there's that, not much. That makes sense. I thought you were talking about it uh, the other way. Like, oh, that's all PSA has. Okay, so. A lot of we talked about influencers, people trying to make a quick buck. So with that grading, you know, ATM being shut down right now, who knows if it'll open back up? What you know? How do you see if if someone asked you how do I make money in sports cards in December of 2021? Right now, what would you tell them? Well, I think too, even if PSA like to backtrack, even if PSA bulk does open up. It's not going to be the same just because base cards don't sell for what they did. Like a big reason why I made so much, well, I guess a lot of people made so much money was because the base card market was insane. Like just because PSA $10 service is going to open up, you know, a big reason why it was such a cash cow is because what the cards sold for. You know, if your Matisse Thibault Prism's $5, you know, it's, you know, obviously going to impact the way bulk is. I definitely think if there's a bulk service, you have to be smarter about what you send. But it's 
never going to be what it was just because base cards are never going to be what they were, if that makes sense. But a way to make money in the hobby? This is a good question to bite me in the ass five months from now. Um, I'm not trying to say buy what you like because that's the stupidest fucking answer ever. Um, Like sports cards or like grading or just... Anything, anything to do with cards. A good way to make money? Yeah. Good way to make money. uh... I would say uh, buy PWCC's monthly auction because their shit sells for like half off if you find the right cards, but they canceled their monthly auction. Uh, Probably that's the reason why. So there goes that. Um, I would say the best way... yeah, the best way to make money would be think outside the box. Look at uh, al- not alternative assets. Don't look at like CryptoPunks or that bullshit. Uh, look at like Mercari. Go on like non eBay websites. Look at, you know, look at. I don't want to say garage sales, yard sales, but like look at alternative websites to eBay. Um, look for stuff like tickets. Maybe look for. You know, if a player has a private signing up coming and they have a debut ticket on eBay for $10 and you can send it to their signing and get it slabbed by PSA because PSA ticket slabbing is still like 10, 20 bucks. Um, so if, you know, Clay Thompson has a signing and you have his 60 point ticket, um, you know, buy the ticket, send it to the signing, get it slabbed. And I think, you know, depending on the player who it is, you should, you could make some good money, but I think. I don't want to give any players out specifically. Uh, but I definitely think if you just look at, you know, stuff like signings, player signings are always a good opportunity. Like, I you could have made a killing if you bought Justin Herbert prison base and he had a signing. I think it was like 160 bucks, and the cards were like 500 So you make good money like that. I definitely think you just have to be smart about it. I, w- I would never buy base cards. Um you know, or buy players who are hurt. Like, uh, don't buy Kawhi Leonard, whatever you do. Um, <laughs> who's a player who's hurt right now that's going to come back? Like, 20 Zion. No. <laughs> uh, there's a Well, you got the Kyrie situation, the Simmons situation. Weirdos don't like Kyrie. Kyrie's always going to be – the people who have mass in their profile pictures will never buy Kyrie. They're just weird. <laughs> um. Who's an athlete? Just an athlete in general who's hurt. Uh, Patrick Williams. Okay. okay. I, I can't think of one. But, like, what I did in 2019 was, like, when Kevin Durant was going to be a free agent, Kawhi and Kyrie, like, when big-name players are going to leave their team in free agency, look at that. Look at a trade deadline. Like, look into players like Vucevic, who got traded at the deadline, Aaron Gordon last year, Oladipo. You know, players' prices spike after they get traded of notable value or notoriety. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a good way without giving any players. You know, look at websites like Mercari. Look at uh, private signings of players. And then pay attention to who's going to be a free agent or who's going to demand a trade, you know. Like Westbrook. You would have made a killing if you bought Westbrook. Because you know he was not going to be a wizard. Oh, I think okay. I'll say a player's name. If 
if you don't think Bradley Beal is going to stay with the Wizards, I think Bradley Beal is a good buy because he's definitely not going to like Charlotte if he does leave. I think he would go to a bigger name franchise. I know he's expiring. I think you look at DeMar DeRozan was another one. I bought DeMar DeRozan, so I feel like I'm pumping that, but I guess it already happened. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry, stuff like that. Look at guys like that. So those are my four tips. Non-eBay websites, private signings, trade deadline, and free agency. I guess five, and players who are hurt that are coming back. Damn, these are some good tips here. I might have to turn this into like a uh, an OnlyFans where people pay four ninety nine to listen to this because those are some that's some free advice right there. But those are some outside the box ideas. I like that a lot, honestly, because you know I, I me personally I have no interest in sending cards to SGC at twenty five bucks each. Like uh, that's just, and I'm sure you know I, I'm sure you're probably not too interested in that either because when you know when we could get. We used to be able to get PSA for eight bucks, so why are we gonna pay twenty five for SGC now? SGC is fucking whack. The problem with SGC that no one wants to talk about is like everyone wants to flip with SGC, but no one wants to collect it. So you have this massive base. It's like what happened with Durant in twenty earlier this yeah, this year still. It's like everyone invested in Durant, but no one was collecting Durant. So when it became time to sell, you had all these guys who had invested in Durant. And then no one to sell to because the only people buying it were investors. Same with SGC. These people send all these cards to SGC to flip, but they have no one to flip them to because no one wants SGC, you know? So I think, yeah, and HGA is in mass, but I think SGC is a clear third at least. I'll give them that. Um, yeah, that's a good point though because I do see, you know, you hear people who are like, you can make money grading with SGC. Like I, like, I was talking to a guy at a card show. Cool dude, and he was telling me he, he had sold, like, over $300,000 worth of S, you know SGC-graded cards in the past five months since PSA's been closed. And I was just thinking to myself, like, who the hell is buying these, you know, ugly, big SGC, like, 9.5s of... Uh, you know, a Darius Baisley silver and an SGC 9.5. And, like, this guy had it priced at 60 bucks. Like, if you, if you buy that, God bless you, you know. And that, that's incredible to me that people are really... But if you look on eBay, it's weird. People are, like, paying. Not, I mean, they're not selling incredibly well, but people do have some margins to make money. But to me, it's like if you don't get an SGC 9.5 or an SGC 10... You are losing money no matter what because an SGC 8.5 or an SGC 9 is not raising the value on it on a modern card. I mean, it's also a pain in the ass to sell it. You have to find a buyer for it. Like with PSA slabs, I went to the biggest show in California. I don't know if that's true, but all people wanted was PSA. No one fucking wanted SGC garbage. I mean, even Beckett was like the redheaded stepchild. I mean, it was really PSA is king and, you know, that just... How the cookie crumbles, I guess. Um, but as far as grading, you know, I'm kind of over grading bulk. Um, even if it does come back, you know, I'll send out some stuff. But, you know, I think a part, a big thing in running a successful business is you have to know when to kind of step back. You know, it's like what Kobe didn't know. You know, Kobe dragged out his career for four years. And held the Lakers hostage, and they were like a bottom five team for five years. You know, 
that became illegal to talk about in 2020, you know. Yeah, but I was that say, was you could get canceled for that in cards nowadays. Yeah, you know, there's things that you know, the elephant in the room where it's like, you know, it was good while it lasted, but do I go down that road again to send in, you know, Fred Van Fleet silvers and you know hope hope the base market picks back up? You know, not really. It's one of those things where take your winnings and walk. You know, you don't want to get greedy with it. That's crazy. Like, I can't believe the volume that you were subbing at. I mean, it's it's almost like it, it's a flawless business plan based on how, how expensive things were when you were doing it. But, like, I couldn't even imagine having to store that many PSA slabs. Like, you, like... I just sent it all to consignment. Oh, that makes that makes a lot more sense. That's a good way to do it. Oh, not really. I lied. Uh, I would pick through it. I'd send the the stuff that like the lower pop stuff that like had comps of fifty, but the cheapest by now was like two hundred. I'd put that on eBay for like one fifty. But like the stuff that was like high pop that would consistently sell, I would send that to like Probstein or someone like that. And what was the biggest like single card like? Was there a certain one that you maybe bought for five, graded for eight, and sold for like a thousand? Like, what was your biggest? Oh, yeah. The biggest flips were the 2012 Anthony Davis prisms. All the 2012 prism shit I made a killing on. Cause I had, cause I was, dude, that I used to open that like nobody's business. It was like $3 a pack retail. Oh my God. And I had binders and binders and boxes and boxes of it. Because it, it was base cards. No one wanted that. What you wanted was the autographs and the uh, and the colored parallels. The green and retail. The silver and gold and hobby. Um, so I had like boxes and boxes of that. So I would, you know, like 2012 Prism LeBron base were like a thousand bucks. And I had like 20 of them, you know. And this is when PSA had like an 80% gem rate. So they were just slapping everything in a 10. Like I had a Terrence Ross silver uh, rookie that I probably had for like a dollar in due, and I got it. It got a ten, and I sold it for like four hundred dollars. Oh my god! You that's know, insane. I mean, that stuff adds up. You know, I don't really deal in the high end because I'm just too much of a bitch and afraid <laughs> to get caught holding the bag like that. I mean, I know what's going on. I'm just not really off to see the wizard. Like I know what everything sells for. Like. Uh, I'm trying to stop saying light because I'm pretty sure I said it like 20 times that sentence. But I think the most expensive card I bought was $1,200 before most expensive card I ever bought. I was been in cards for like at least 15 years and I have some decent stuff, I'd say. It was a Kyrie NTRPA I got for $1,200, I want to say, in like March of this year. So... Yeah, I I don't really like spending money on cards. And if I no yeah, it was the Kyrie and then I bought the Paul George NTRPA for I wanna say fifteen hundred. So yeah, I really don't like spending money on cards, um, high end stuff that I wanna keep because I'm over the philosophy that, you know, unless it's you know, a twenty something year old, it's gonna go down. And I like all the older guys per se, the Kyries, the PGs, you know, those guys will be out the league in five, six years. Yeah, that's a good point. They they will, but that that's interesting to me. I mean, you've you know made. I'm sure. I'm not gonna try to guess a number, but I'm sure you've made a killing on grading that stuff. Because, like you said, I mean, if you had tw- twenty 
2012 LeBron Prism base, and you're doing pretty well. Well, a lot of the costs went into grading costs, and then another bunch of the costs went into buying other cards at once. It was, you know, batches. So you make money, then you reinvest it into more cards, card saver supplies, you know, so it, it was it was definitely a process where, you know, it wasn't, you know, you got one sub back and then you were done. It was one of those things where it's like 500 cards or maybe just 50, but then you put that money into more and more and more and more. And then eventually it dried out, you know. Have you ever seen the video on YouTube by any chance of, uh, Cblez opening his PSA sub, it's insane. Like he, I, I picture that's like something similar to what you had coming back in the mail every week. But pretty much, I think the video is. Yeah, no, of- I've seen it. He's at like Saddam Hussein's palace, and he has like <laughs> slabs like everywhere. Yeah, see, that wasn't. I see. I couldn't afford that. He's Cblez, the guy. His older brother's called the backer for a reason. Because he backs Seablas, Chad. I want to shake your hand, guy. Um, so he was <laughs> he was paying for all that. Um, for me, it was more like I sent smaller batches in because I couldn't afford as a seventeen year old like even at ten dollars a card. You know, I couldn't afford six thousand dollar card or six thousand cards times ten at once. You know, I was uh more of like sent a hundred. You know, a week at least. Because the way you timed it, it kept getting worse and worse, the return times. So the way it would work is you'd get like a sub every other, like once, twice, maybe three times a month if you're lucky. So you'd basically just pay off each sub like a domino kind of thing. Yeah, that's an interesting like business idea. But that, I mean, it's just crazy to think the margins that it used to work with. Like I would kill to take a time machine and just be able to I tried keeping seven. a spreadsheet but like what the fuck am I doing here I'm not doing that yeah it's a lot of work it's not that it's just like what am I going to do with this put it on my wall <laughs> nah you might want to look back on it in like 30 years but you know oh, I had an Instagram account yeah that's 4,000 posts I'm sure there was something on there so can you not see anything from that page at all no it's gone Damn. I don't care though. It's whatever, <laughs> dude. If I, I, I wish I'm praying for the day that if that guy goes to like the Philly show, because that's like you know that's the show I'm always at. You know, I go to all three days of that show because I'm I live five minutes from it. Like I'm I, at the point now where, dude, if you know, it's one of those things. It's like with the you know with the thing Kyrie. I'm not gonna get your podcast banned, but it's like with the thing Kyrie Irving doesn't want to get. You know, no one's changing their mind now. Like, if you got it, you got it. And if you don't have it, you're not going to get it. Like, the same thing applies to that guy. Um, I don't want to say his name because your podcast might get banned. But, like, if you like him, you like him. If you don't, you don't. Like, everyone has their opinion on him now. Like, no one's mind is getting changed on the guy. Just like no one's mind's getting changed on the sauce. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was one of those, like, dude, someone offered me $10,000 crypto to keep that page running. Oh my and I turned God. it down. Are I'm you like serious? Yeah. And it was it was like a legit account too. It was a big I'm not gonna say his name. But there was a there was three guys running that page and uh or three total, I should say. And I was like, if you guys want it, you can have it, but I'm not gonna be a part of it. 
just because like that would be everything I was against kind of thing. It'd just be like the Eptimone selling out. And I was like, you know, if you guys want it, it's legit. You guys can have it. But, you know, I just don't want to be a part of it because then it becomes a slippery slope. And which, you know, I'm so critical of, of, you know, accepting money for this and that, you know, a big reason I can say what I say is because, you know, I don't have to get an email after every time I post a story saying, you know, we don't want to be associated with that. You can't talk about this. You can't say that, which is like so many people do, you know, when people have a podcast or their stupid YouTube channels that no one watches with their $10,000 cameras, it's like, there's such a conflict of interest. They can't say certain things or they have to say this, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want an Iranian hostage crisis where, you know, I took money from someone and they don't like what I'm saying. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you have always been one to speak your mind. Like the reason, so when I came into the hobby in probably like 20, like Luca, I came in right at like, as Luca Trey prison was coming out like that year, November, 2018. Exactly. And like, I remember the reason, the thing that really drew me to your account, like, I was like, dang, I, you know, I'm definitely going to look at what this guy posts. Like, it might sound crazy to you or make you cringe, but like, honestly, you posted, and I know you don't do this anymore, and I won't give the specifics of what the, what you, you used to post about, but like, it was just something to do with politics. And I was like, dang, I really agree <laughs> with this guy. <laughs> I was Dude, like, I agree. that era was the best. <laughs> Senior year of high school at three in the morning. Oh, those, yeah, that was, those were the fucking golden days. I loved it though. Like, I used yeah. to see that and be like, hell yeah, like this kid knows what, what's up. Yeah, I had so much fun back then. Now, you know, I get, see, I'm not saying I don't like cards anymore because I do, but like, I think my fun has, my, my enjoyment has changed where I get fun now out of someone posting something. Getting sent to a group program calling them you know dumb fucks i think that's where i get my enjoyment now but before it was like you know people you know would you know cars were affordable people had fun you know boxes were cheap you know it was it was good times but we we definitely took it for granted but now it's like someone posts you know uh, a tatum 30-year prison gold for ten thousand dollars and it gets sent to a group dm and we're like oh that guy paid fifteen thousand dollars in march he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing that's kind of like where i get my fun now um no but i I still like buying cards you know it just i I just get more and more picky because the less and less i can afford and the more hard it is to find them yeah no i mean that 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 is true about what's going on right now because it's but i think i think it is like I know people are scared to hear this, but in my opinion, I think it is slowing down. I've noticed even through my personal friends who joined the hobby during COVID when that boom was happening. Like I have a few friends who were into shoes. I was never really into shoes, but they were into all the shoes, the Supreme, like the hypey stuff. And they came into cards during COVID and they're all, they all now are not interested in cards anymore. And like, to me, that's, you know, I think that that's kind of happening. Like the shoe guys who came in for the quick flip who were waiting outside of Walmart ready to beat up the kid who took the Pokemon, the last Pokemon box. You know, they... Yeah, like, I definitely think if PSA Bolt comes back, like it'll bring those guys in because without... See, like the Bolt service was a great way for someone who didn't know what the fuck they were doing to make an absolute killing. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't have to have any knowledge. You didn't have to have anything. But now it's like, 
if you want to stand cards, you have to educate yourself. And I think the word educate yourself is most overused, misused, and stupid term in the hobby because it's like saying it is a lot easier. It's like you don't go down to the public library and like if you want to learn about World War II, right? You can, there's so many books on it, videos, you know, documentaries and stuff. But like educating yourselves on cards is a slippery slope because it's like who's making the content? It's like, are they educated themselves? And like nine times out of 10, the answer is no. But if they are, then it's like, you have to look at their conflict of interest. And I know that conflict of interest is a problem everywhere, but it's really bad in cards. And then it's like, you have to look if they know what they're talking about, you know, because even people that have been in cards a long time, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. You know, it's investing in bull bull is not a new thing. I mean, people invested in, you know, Jordan Farmer. Yeah. You know, being a dumb fuck has always been in cards. Right now, it just costs you a lot more money to d- be that. Um, but, like, educating yourself is really hard because the people with the knowledge are reluctant to say it because, you know, it's not their job. But the people whose job it is just spew out such garbage to get views and clickbait, you know. The open mouth thumbnail with the, you know, Michael Bay explosion in the background. <laughs> that like if so here's a good rule of thumb if your mouth is open on a thumbnail don't listen to them (laughs) just don't listen to what they have to say oh that's great that's great that is hey that's a fair point there you know like some of the clickbait shit it'll be well because their job is to make content and the more views you get the more money you get because people like like even at like a big card page is a fucking nobody in like youtube sense like if you get like ten thousand views a video like look how i'm not gonna say how much it is but just look how much money you make on ten thousand views like you can't live off that so a lot of these pages don't even get ten thousand so if you're getting like one two thousand views you're not getting donkey dick so these people have to get desperate and when you're in a view-based you know business and it's your job you know boring content doesn't rule like Drama sells. That's why when you watch the news, it's, you know, drama sells. It's not the truth or it's not what needs to be said. It's, you know, the explosions, I guess. The drama, you know. it's Yeah, the action sells. People want to see, like, when... when I've noticed when people, when there's a controversy going on and somebody goes live, like when FaZe went live right after that green thing, there were that, like three hundred people in there watching it. And like yeah. whenever something like that happens, everyone flocks to it. Like we had a hundred you know, hundreds of people we didn't even know, like pretty much trying to have our back, even though their their intention wasn't having our back. It was just getting involved in the action at the time. I remember thinking to myself, like, holy shit, like there's a lot of people trying to help us. And now looking back on it, it was just yeah, people who were just like, you know, oh, action over here. Let me go get involved. But mm-hmm. It's like card porn, you know? Yes. Yeah. I think he does some good stuff, but I definitely think like he not he's not controlled opposition. I know he doesn't work for anybody, but um, like he always picks on the low hanging fruit. Like, dude, we know HGA is retarded and we know you shouldn't send HGA. Like we, we, we get it. Like, you know, you can like he picks a low hanging fruit possible. Like, yeah, we understand there's dumb fucks on eBay. Great. Like, 
So we've got that accomplished. So it's like, when was the last time you posted about the guy who spells his name wrong, right? Um, you know who I'm talking about, right? The guy who spells his name wrong? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when was the last time you posted about that, right? But meanwhile, you're posting Facebook messages of the guy of a failing grading company saying he's going to sue you. Like, yeah. what are you doing here? Like, really? No, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I hate when people people punch down. Like, you know, that's how... He's not even punching down. It's like, you're just punching the air. Like, it, punching down would be like if he went after, you know, like some 200 follower account. Like, he's yeah. punching a company that just laid off a hundred of employees, according to him. Like, damn, you're punching children at this point. Like, I did not know that. That's that's, that's what he said. So, if we get sued, we can just cite his post. Oh yeah, oh, no, I'm not, everyone. I'm not ha- everyone has an army of lawyers, but me. Apparently, <laughs> listen. This is the free speech podcast. You could say. You could say. Well, anything, yeah, it's anything the free speech wise. podcast until you put it on a platform. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But that, that is a good point, though. Yeah, once it goes somewhere, then then they can actually take shit down. Yeah. But tally banned. <laughs> but it's I, I don't want to hold you too long. I got one last question for you. I know I I told you I keep it between forty and sixty minutes. I don't care. I've happened. legitimately nothing to do right now. Oh, all right. I spent all my money on Golden's buyback or buyer's premium. I don't have any money left in my bank account. <laughs> Spend nine hundred dollars in cards. What was it? Three hundred twenty-five dollars in fees. Like Jesus. I'm just gonna go on a rant right quick. Like so with eBay, right? eBay, they charge the seller a thirteen percent flat fee, but Golden's raping you from both ends. They get the buyer and the seller. So if or the consigner, I guess if you consign with them, they take what ten fifth ten to twenty percent. I think it is right. And then if you buy off them, they have a what is it a 20% buyback and then like another 10% in taxes and stuff. So they're getting 10% from the seller and 20% from the buyer. Like, oh you know, God. good for them. Like I spent $925 in cards and I look at my fucking invoice and it's $1,200, $1,256. It's like that that's more than a fourth of the cards I bought. Like, you know, good for you guys, but you know, balls on you. That's um, insane. That's literally yeah. PWCC is like that now. Golden's like that. I think Heritage is like that. But who buys off Heritage? Um, yeah. So the PWCC monthly auction they canceled that because too many people are getting burned on it. I guess and uh, they're doing weekly now. But twenty percent buyers premium. So if you buy a card for a hundred, what is that like? 120 taxes so you're looking at one something depend 130 i guess depending on your state um shipping probably like 150 though yeah i guess state tax gets pretty high so uh, yeah, yeah. It's, for certain especially for certain states more than others but yeah they're... i don't pay sales tax unless it's for golden i don't know they haven't got back to me i have a tax fraud license so oh, that works that out well good. Yeah, reseller's license. I recommend people look into that. Um, it's different by every state, but it's pretty good. Um, so, yeah. So what was your question? The 
Yeah, you, I think you, you you have to have an LLC to do that. But once you have an LLC, you can get. Oh yeah, I have that. Page. I know people don't take my page. See, like people don't t- take my page seriously, right? Like they come to it for like me saying Tyler Huntley's better than Lamar Jackson, which is a fact, and you know that just you know the reality of things. You know, Paul Ooh. George is a top ten player. You know, some things are just harder to accept than others, but um. You know, but, you know, I do good business. I have an LLC. I, I pay my taxes. I have an accountant. You know, I have, you know, we do big business over here. You know, but I think a lot of people view my page as kind of like shit posting. I mean, I don't really care. No one really buys on Instagram anyways. You know, it's always the same 20, 30 people buying off you. If not, you can get, you know, really good prices on eBay still. eBay's king as far as I care. Instagram is the place to post a card and get offered, you know. In, no, Instagram's a place to sell a lot at 70% of eBay, but people offer you 70% of your 70%. <laughs> That's basically Instagram math in a nutshell. That is true. That is a very good way to put it. Or you'll get the classic, do you trade or would you trade? Yeah, but that? like there's good people like Santiago. He uh, he's really good at buying lots. Uh, you know Santiago, obviously. Yeah. Um, GK. Uh, you know, there's always good people, but you just—it's one of those things. Where, like, I don't even—you know—you just you know to message them directly. You know, I do a story sale occasionally, just to you know if someone wants something. But other than that, just message people directly that you've you know done deals with. Yeah, and that's that, that. That I'm still, my mind is still blown off this golden premium. Like these companies are getting so much in fees. Like eBay's probably looking at this, licking their lips. Like, what the hell? When when are we gonna? Yeah, see, that? that's another thing. Like people complain about buyers or eBay fees. It's like, look at buyers premium. The fuck we doing here? Yeah, but eBay. The, I feel like the complaints on eBay aren't. You know the fees are barely the complaints. The complaints are like somebody buys a card from you, they get it, and they're... I see. I see. I think that's so exaggerated. Like when with returns, the players getting hurt, like that's happened to me, but that's so rare. Like that's like it's. Oh, I'm gonna get your podcast demonetized. It's like you know, if I can name every incident that hap- incident that has happened, it's not a pandemic, right? It's not like a pressing issue, right? Yeah. If I can name every instance on my hand where it's happened, it's not a problem. It becomes a problem when it's happened so much I couldn't tell you every time it's happened to me, right? It's like when you know who shoots people, you know, the P word yeah. shoots people. Like, I can name every major incidence on my hand of that, right? I yeah. couldn't name you every incidence of, you know, stranger shooting stranger, right? What's the real problem here, you know? So... We'll leave it at that. You're Heck probably yeah. going to get put on a watch list after no, this podcast. Dude, this, you know that's right up my alley. Cause you yeah, know. there you go. <laughs> no fly. You'll get put on the no fly list. Exactly. Yeah, I'll be, the NSA is going to be reading all my emails. But there, you, Dude, I wish they would. You know how many times Tops and Panini email me a day? <laughs> Panini Instant. Tops now. <laughs> no one wants that shit. Uh, they're they're definitely already reading all your emails. They they're on to you, man. You you've uh, you've shit. I hope they attention. are. Between that and the fucking spam emails I get, dude. So, quick story. Since we talked about Golden Premium, I was at the uh, 
show in, in uh, Chantilly. We made the drive up to Virginia. And um, I don't know, the the guy that I did this with, he's, I don't want to say, like, well, I'll, I'll just, I won't mention who it was. But we were walking around, you know, looking for deals. And we saw Golden, you know, his booth there, like, advertising the cards that they had for the next auction. There's this guy standing there in a suit. And, like, for some reason, we just, for fun, like, I don't, I wouldn't say trolling, you know, because I'm not like a little. We do a little trolling. It's called We Do a Little Trolling. (laughs) Yeah. We do, we, you know, we, uh, we do an event right before they debate here. It's a little bit of trolling. I call it trolling. Yes. I remember that one vividly. But we, we, so we go up to this guy. We're just like, where's Ken? You know, he didn't make the trip out. And he's like, no, he's doing this and this. And then we were like, yeah, we saw him at the National. Like, he had a security guard with him. What's with that? And the guy was just like, it was just like this classic, like Italian guy in a suit. And he like looked at us and he was like, he said, that guy, that guy works for me, buddy. And we were like, oh, he works for you. We were like, now look like he worked for Ken. He was like, no, no, he didn't work for Ken. He worked for me. And we like literally just for fun, just to fuck around. We were just standing there like lightly arguing with this guy about who Ken's security guard works for, if he works for Ken. Or this guy, so that's the type. There of you people, go. That's the type of people that you're dealing with. With uh, yeah, but I, I you know, I think companies. that's a business model for every auction house. To be fair, and you know, Ken's a good sport. He's, you know, I think for uh, I think no one's gonna watch his show, but I, you know, that's irrelevant. Um, but I mean, he seems like a good guy. Um, I like him. I hope you know, I don't have anything do bad to say. Show. I hope people. Uh, no, I think him. people will in the hobby. I just don't see the reach beyond it which i think you know like for example when pawn stars came out you know that show was huge because you had the dad who was a world war ii vet you had the dopey son who had a dopey friend named chumley you know and they're kind of like losers and his dad was running a successful business and you had all these characters right the, the, the and what made the show work was the characters you had the you know the classic world war ii vet you had the loser son his loser friend with the stupid name and you had the dad trying to run a business. And then you had all these other pawn shows start. You had like, you know, Louisiana, Bayou Ponds, not Bayou Pawn. You had Texas Pawn. You had all these other, uh, the the one in Detroit, um, the really ghetto one in Detroit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. And you had all these shows that failed because it wasn't that people are interested in pawn shops. They're interested in the characters on the show, Right. It wasn't that there was some, you know, hot demand for pawn pawn shops. You know, you had Chumley, you know, you had all those guys. So with Ken, I don't, I'm not sure unless, you know, Paul, his son, you know, ages 15 years and gets a chubby friend named Chumley. I'm not sure how the show's going to work, really. I just keep thinking, you mentioned the one in Detroit, the ghetto one. It was like the Moray show. Hardcore pawn. Pawn shops. Yeah. <laughs> pawn. It was the more it was the more show of pawn shops. It'd be like they would get dragged out by the security in there. That was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, that was the ghettoest show ever. That is, oh man, I I miss that one. That's that wasn't even on the History Channel. They had that on like True TV. That's how you know <laughs> it's bad when it's not on like Nat Geo or History. It's on True TV. That's you know the History Channel has Ancient Aliens, so. You know you're bad if uh, you, not the History Channel doesn't even want you. That is true though. They, they were not. They, that was not like a 
history based show. That was literally just like the you know, and that was entertainment television. But that was yeah. I still love the Mari show, dude. That's like I, I'll watch Steve Wilkos. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but um, so. I, I really I feel bad honestly. I went twenty minutes over. I know you said you're not doing too much, but I went twenty minutes over what I told you I would. So hey, it's uh it's been great having you on. Any last uh any last remarks before you go? Uh not really. I mean I'm guessing everyone who listens to this know who I am. It's not like you're like a knitting page or like, you know, guinea pig self help, you know, you're like a dog page. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, follow me. I try to respond to DMs. Uh, if you ask for investment advice, I'll probably tell you no one's a good investment right now. Uh, yeah, so 